mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling monumental. And I'm actually very specifically feeling like a giant, monumental, ceramic tap. Right. Because I have been lying in bed for the past week, um, post-Freeze Art Fair, with COVID. And it got me thinking about domestic interiors. And today's (laughs) today's guest has made, in the past, the most amazing giant which looks like ceramic. It might be bronze, actually, but it's a giant, giant, giant tap. And um, it got me thinking about you and me and our unrelenting, unstoppable passion for art and a, a bit like how ideas can turn taps on in your mind and it can flow and it never stops. It's just like the most wonderful, positive energy. Also, if you had COVID, tap. A, tap, a tap could be like a dripping nose. It's true, my love. It does represent many things. (laughs) And also, also, I've just got into thinking all about different interiors because I've been installing different rooms while I had COVID in my house. And I got thinking about the psychic energy that is within objects and almost like talisman and kind of your past life and people you've loved or people that have died or people that are even still in your life, such as Russell Tovey, who gives Mm. me things sometimes that I have, um, Mm. like artworks. And just the, the kind of energy that even within a lamp like the story of where it came from and the kind of journey of like a table and why I chose that table and all all of these things and that is is a kind of very ridiculous link to today's guest because today's guest makes work that is often focused on domestic interiors and is about to be part of the most extraordinary group show at um, the South Bank Centre at Hayward Gallery called Strange Clay Ceramics in Contemporary Art. And whilst he doesn't only work in ceramics, I did mention he works in bronze and even painting and different materials, his, his work in this show is obviously going to be clay and it very much focuses on the domestic world, but there's something quite fantastical, quite uh, surreal in a way to mm. to the way the work is presented. Our American listeners will probably know him because uh, of the Whitney Biennial, but um, also because of San Francisco and Jessica Silverman Gallery, who I have great respect for. She's an amazing gallerist. Agreed. And he grew up in Miami. And um, I think we have lots to talk about. We have lots in common. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Woody, Woody Day, Day Othello. Othello. Hi, Woody. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. How Thank are you? you for that uh, wonderful introduction. I feel like um, 
I might not need to say anything else because you hit everything <laughs> right on the nose. <laughs> but we could dive in a little bit uh, deeper. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, oh, yeah, excited to be here. Where are we here. talking to you two from today? Are you in London yet? I just got into London this morning. Um, so I'm a little bit jet lagged, but I am hyped up off of a, a cup of espresso. So I feel energized. <laughs> I'm awake. I took a little nap and I feel like I'm, I'm here officially. <laughs> Do you know London well? Have you spent any time there before? No, this is my first time driving wow. to London. So it, it, everything is kind of like super fresh and super new. I, I definitely feel like a tourist around here. I'm just like not even looking at where I'm walking. I'm just looking up and around and just digesting the uh, the the, the kind of like the environment and the texture of being out here. It feels very different from, from the States. Um, yeah, there's just a different kind of like fabric here that is super new to me and super new to my body. So it, it's a little bit of a trip and I'm but I'm excited to to spend a couple of days here. And you know, I'm excited to be a part of this uh, this group show as well. What an incredible thing. Your first time in London, you're going to be part of an institutional group show. That's that's the way to kind of visit a country, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I travel. I mean, I, I hardly ever do things for a, like vacation. I'm off, often like traveling now because my work is being exhibited in different places. So it's a super like awesome like privilege and opportunity to to be able to see the world, but to also be able to like make artwork and and that that is the way that is like opening up doors for me to be able to see different spaces and different cities and different countries. So. Do you have a yeah. wish list in London? Because I know that you're also, you are an artist yourself, but you are an art fan and you go and see exhibitions and you visit museums. Are there ones in London that you have on your list as musts? I feel like the, I feel like the only, the one of the only things on my list is like the Tate Modern. Like I always see like documentaries and like videos from like online. So I, I kind of want to just like be in the, in the building in that space. Um, I'm of course, super excited to be in this group exhibition at the Hayward and just to be amongst like uh, a, like an, an incredible list of artists, I feel super flattered to, to even be a part of this group show because it seems like this is a very kind of like, um, like, I don't know, it's just a very expansive survey on, on contemporary ceramics. And I'm just like, just like beyond words to be a part of that conversation. Uh, it feels kind of it feels kind of surreal. I've been having to pinch myself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking about uh, jet lag, which my colleague Carl Friedman always says doesn't exist, and it really annoys me because it does exist. But he's like, it's a choice, um, which I just think is so surreal. I don't know how he does it, but he never gets jet lag. There's a theme in your work, like a recurring motif, which I was really interested in, which is the clock, and um, and often like the numbers on the clock might melt or like or like you know disappear or, or you know. Or the they're just like the, out of, of order yeah sometimes yeah. they're out of order sometimes they're like backwards or in reverse um but you know the clock and like you know this thing of, of about time i feel like that's the most relative thing that we all share so i feel mm -hmm. like the clocks to me have this kind of like existential tone to it it's just like you know unfortunately or maybe fortunately we don't live forever and i think the clocks in my work is a constant reminder of of uh, of that like aspect of like you know what is your intention with your time how are you spending your time and by reconfiguring them in these different like ways uh, I think it just like reflects um yeah it just like it just changes our, our our or I hope that it changes like our when you look at it, it just like shifts the way that you think about it a little bit you know I feel like there there are clocks that I've made that have the uh the 
the numbers all dispersed or like all out of order. And I feel like, you know, time can be very disorienting like that, where it moves fast, it moves slow. I know you have COVID right now. And I know, you know, when you're locked inside, time feels a little bit different or how. Yeah, so it does. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes things like move super slow, but they feel super fast at the same time. I think like uh, there's just a lot of relation with, with those objects. It's like very common. I think it's like an access point that that anybody from any demographic or any background could kind of like hop into and have like their own association as to what like their relationship with that object is. Mm. Yeah. Rob was saying in the intro that he finds your works surreal. Uh, that's his relationship to him. But for me, they feel nostalgic for my childhood watching cartoons now you were born in 91 i was born in 81 i was a 90s nickelodeon cartoon boy i'd be watching rocco's modern life i'd be watching rugrats i'd be watching (laughs) ren and stimpy i look at your work and i feel like these are props in some ways that have been taken from these cartoons at point was cartoons as a kid and even now animation something that has inspired your the shapes and and the colors that you are drawn to you know i think that that stuff like the cartoons is like kind of like floating around and in, in, in my subconscious but you know i feel like the, the kind of rendering of the objects and the drawings like i'm not somebody who works from from like observation i'm not somebody who like looks at an object and recreates it i kind of just like sit down and i just start sculpting the thing whether it's based off of a drawing that i've made or or a drawing that i've rendered um, so I think that kind of like stylization and kind of like the the kind of like transformation of the objects comes from, you know, not necessarily like looking at the thing in front of me while I'm sculpting it, while I'm drawing it, while I'm painting it. It's just like I sit down and I kind of just like re-envision the object as how it, however it comes out when I'm like working it with it with my hands. Um, but, you know, I grew up watching I'm like of that Nickelodeon like yeah. era. I'm of that kind of like generation. But like I think a lot of like the artwork that has like really inspired me has like that kind of like illustrative quality to it. You know, I feel like earlier on in like my undergraduate studies, I was like really enamored with Trenton Doyle Hancock, Barry McGee. You know, Philip Gustin has all these oh, dudes yeah. have like these like kind of like Layla Ali. They have like this like illustrative kind of like quality to them. And I was like a point of access and point of like, kind of like, you know, just like relation for me. So I think just like absorbing that stuff and and, and, in combination with um, like just growing up, like watching a lot of television, I think all of that stuff is just kind of like situated in, in in my spirit (laughs) somehow. And, you know, the way that it comes out, it just comes out like rendered like that, you know, it's something that, now I have more kind of like intention with it, but before it was just like all into intuition kind of like flowing out. And then that's like a way that I naturally just like registered things like in the world. I remember taking life drawing classes in undergrad, like it, I was just, I could, it, it was not interesting to me to draw like what I saw. I had a hard time like looking at what I saw and like rendering it. I, just, I would always just like take a little peek, but spend most of my time looking down on at the paper versus like looking at what was in front of me. So I feel Got like it. in that sense, like the work could feel like super, like um, just coming out of my own head in, in a way. So there was never the pressure. You never put pressure on yourself to draw something exactly. It was always like you took the information in and then you did a Woody on it. And then exactly. Came, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's like just the way that I go about like creating stuff and like you know processing stuff. 
you know, I'm much more interested, like what happens when you have that little bit of separation from the thing that you're looking at versus yeah. just like making a rendering of that thing. I think there's so much psychic energy that gets translated when you try and absorb something and recall it from memory versus just like looking at the thing and making a copy of it. Yeah. So you started in you started in painting, didn't you? Your your route into art was painting, and then clay was something that you, you you've been quoted as saying, uh, "Everything changed when I touched clay. Everything made sense." Yeah. So, but prior to that, you were expressing yourself through the medium of painting. Well, not necessarily painting, but like I always like drew. Like I remember drawing in elementary school. I feel like I always used drawing as a way just to cope with like you know emotional things going on um unfortunately i was like super I, I was bullied a lot when i was a kid so i feel like you know drawing and like kind of creating these universes uh on paper and on 2d planes like that i was able to re-envision my space i was re able to re-envision myself in a different light than like what was actually being shined so i feel like i always had this relationship with communicating not necessarily through like words or like through like talking and speech, but like just communicating through like drawing and color and like, you know, just, just using paper. Um, and, you know, I feel like when I was like super, super young, I used to create these whole like little cities and structures out of aluminum foil. Like my mom would not buy me action figures just because she knew that I would have a good time with a roll of aluminum foil. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've, I I've, I've always kind of just like used like art as a way to express what was going on internally more so than just like sitting down and having a conversation. It's quite an existential question, but in some ways, you know, I find this in my life, trauma has inspired creativity, uh, pain has pushed me somewhere, uh, you know, adversity has made me create and, you know, you're just talking about that experience being bullied and I had a rough time at points and Rob had. Do you think that that was an inspiration for the art? Do you think you would have found art as much of a comfort or found art as your kind of thing if you hadn't experienced these things as a kid? You know, I'm not, I have no clue. I'm not too yeah. sure. But I, I know, like, you know, when you grow up and you feel like you're a little bit different than, like, all the other kids around you, like, you where is that space that you're able to kind of, like, confine in and exist in, you know? And, like, you know, for some people, it's music. For some people, it's, like, sports and athletics. For some people, it's, like, writing. You know, for me, it was just, like, using using drawing and using art as a way to kind of, like, create like that bit of a, a of a safe spot but yeah. also to like externalize all the things going on because like you know I'm one of those people I feel like it's not healthy just to like have things bottled up like they need to come out you know they need a place to kind of like exist and I feel like you know um it is like a, a a super like cathartic release like just being able to have something like art to be able to like communicate you know not only like, you know, the, 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 the things that are going on that are not so awesome, but, you know, to express emotions of love and happiness and joy. And like, I think all of those things can exist in, in an object or exist in a, in a work of art, you know? So I feel like, um, you know, there are ways to communicate that are not verbal and like art is one of those nonverbal ways of communicating. And for some of us, it just makes more sense to communicate using art, you know? I think the reason I was so drawn to your work and why Russell and I 
were both uh, sort of independently fans of yours was that there's such a visceral nature to your work like it's that that kind of handmade quality that even when it's a bronze or even when you made um the you know the kind of paintings like there's something so your your line like even in the sculptures like that's so unique to you and it got me thinking back to like Klaus Oldenburg you know in the 70s and kind of oh, the soft like, sculptures and stuff yeah, yeah but but the way it was so his at that time and I feel like your sculptures are so yours and and, and I love the you know that giant yellow fan um that you that, that you did that has a kind of grid um in it there's something so soulful about it and for me that's such a big um kind of big tick in the box i love a bit of like deep soul art but um i've heard you reference uh the spirit the psychic kind of you know uh, other planes maybe or like deep deep digging of emotions um is that something that's that's there within the work alongside joy or or kind of hilarious yeah. elements i i think so i think like i think that both of them exist together like these elements of like joy but also these more like more serious undertones and like i think that um you know, it just depends on where you're at, where the viewer at is with like, you know, interacting with the work. Um, you know, to me, that 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 uh that that yellow fan that I made that was uh displayed in Miami or Basel twenty nineteen. And mm. I feel like a lot of the times I just work from from my intuition. So, you know, we had proposed to uh make a larger sculpture for the Meridian section and and my gallery, Jessica she uh she approached me she's like what would you want to make and i had no clue what i wanted to make just like out of nowhere i was just like oh let me just make a super large fan but i had been using kind of like fans and ac units and air purifiers and vents to kind of communicate this idea of like our uh interior spaces be being like this anthropomorphic entity and like how does air like how does breath kind of circulate in like this domestic setting so it kind of made sense to, at least at that point, to kind of continue on with that, with that line. I feel like, you know, I could go a little bit deeper with like, you know, just like that connotation of breath, but that is like life force, that is energy. Mm -hmm. um, I was like reading this book, uh, I think it's called Art and Power. It's like a book of African sculpture. And it's about like African sculpture from, from the Bantu kingdom. And there's this word that I learned in this book called muhihi, which means when for uh when life force energy breath breeze so I, I was like enamored with like how an object could kind of like reference these things without referencing these things right you know if you wanted to just be a a big ass yellow fan like <laughs> that's what that is but i feel like when you look at the posture of the fan when you look at how the center is a little bit sunken in it's a little bit slouched over it it's almost like it's a it's a it's it's laboring to kind of like function and to kind of work and i think that kind of communicates uh just like a spectrum of of emotions and a spectrum it just has that range there but yeah. like you know i feel like you know it, it kind of works in contradiction because you see this super huge cartoony like this bright yellow thing and it almost camouflages what is going on in the interior of that sculpture mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah i i think they, they're loaded in emotion and, and and what you do is that you you think of the home as this living being you don't take the domestic for granted and you 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 play into surrealism and the fact that you take an object and you humanize it and then these objects and they're normally larger than life uh, but they hold these these hu human anthropomorphic kind of emotions, you know, like there'd be a, the telephones, and you've said that 
you know, the anxiety of waiting for a phone call or the anxiety <laughs> of a phone ringing yeah. is harnessed in this. You have you, you have these stalls which uh, are kind of fatigued. As you said, they're leaning over, but they have this human energy. It's like the, the stall takes the weight of us when we're tired. So mm-hmm. the stall that you've made then has this tired, fatigued energy in it. It's, it's playing with these things. It's so um, intelligent in some ways. But it's disarming because what you're seeing is a big yellow fan, for example. You know, you're seeing and it's kind of cartoony and bright and joyful and humorous. But through humor, you're able to access uh, more kind of uh, emotional experiences and a human experience. Because the domestic interior is what we're all experiencing on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, the home just kind of like holds a lot of psychic energy. And like, Robert, you were saying like you're you're at home right now with with like covid i know for me when i'm sick one of the one of the things i like to do with my space is cleanse the space right so i'll cleanse the space i'll wash all of my um my bedding because i don't like it i, I would almost watch it wash it like uh, until like I'll, i'd wash it numerous times until i recover from whatever sickness because like the sheets hold on to everything like i feel like the room holds on to the energy of of of, of whatever you're feeling so it kind of just made sense, like, you know, growing up, like, I didn't spend, like, so much time outside. I was just, like, you know, an indoor kid, and I watched, like, a lot of, like, TV. So I feel like, you know, for me, I'm just, like, accustomed to, like, looking at these things as more than just, like, what they are, but, like, as, like, these extensions of of what is going on internally with 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 ourselves. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like you think about hoarders or you think about people who live like if you're depressed, like you might not want to like open up your blinds. I feel like there's so many ways that like our interior spaces and how we interact with them kind of like um, there is very telling as to what our emotional psychological states are. And I feel like, um, you know, objects like we don't just like live amongst them. We live with them, you mm. know, things hold memories, things hold, things hold energy. Like, you know, so I feel like, you know, the shoes could like bring you back to a memory. Like I feel like a chair could bring you back to a memory. Like, so I feel like there is a lot of potential for like objects to communicate a lot of the things that humans communicate. So I feel like, you know, there's like a little bit of a transition for me in my work because I would, I used to make a lot of like figures, just like straight up figurative work, but then somewhere along the line when I was in graduate school I got bored be, because the, the for me in my practice the figure became too easy to read so I was like I started to think about what happens if I took the figure out and replaced it with things that surrounded the figure and that's how I kind of started on this whole kind of like interior domestic um, um space and kind of like uh like humanizing a lot of these everyday objects but objects are also like like to me like hella metaphorical like you know a door is not just a door a door is like an opportunity for something new like changing your space changing your, changing your scenery like the, the the light switches are just like a very simple way of like adding light to your day and like what does light signify you know light sig- being seen being visible being cleansed you know even with like the the the, the water faucets i feel like that that those things hold it's a very simple object but they hold a lot of like metaphorical meaning of like being cleansed, being washed, being a nude. You know, I grew up Catholic and it's just like, 
you know, reading the Bible and like John the Baptist and like, you know, being baptized and washed in the water. Like, I feel like all of those things are, are kind of like, like connected, but, you know, if you want to see a huge, just fountain or a huge like water tap, that's completely fine too. So I think they exist on these planes that, um, I don't know, just like open it up. Like, I feel like, you know, I feel like at being a little bit nuanced with like the approach, like, I feel like that's something that, um, at least for me, I'm trying to like hone in on, on more, a little bit more. It's just like, how can you communicate, mm. you know, or like express a range of emotions without like beating somebody over the head with it. And I it's, feel a like- uni- it's a universality of, of your approach to your work. And I've read that you, think about your family seeing the work it's like when we make this podcast my mum listens to every episode so does rob's mum and when when they text us and go that was a good episode i'm like oh we've won because that's who we're making it for and it feels like you're you know you're making work for your family and these domestic universal objects are communicating on such a wider level because we can all connect to them but yet you're you've got they're coded and they're full of messaging yeah i think i think it accessibility is like really important to me um you know and that's just like my personal history because I didn't grow up like looking at art I feel like my my kind of like knowledge of like art history and contemporary art is like still a little bit limited like I don't know as much as like I I feel like I should know like there's so many times where I'm having conversation with people and they're like dropping all these names and I'm just like who is that can you show me who is that I don't know who that is (laughs) oh what is this word so it's just like there's just like so much out there Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like for me like I just I just you know not growing up like going to museums and whatnot it just kind of like makes sense to make things that have a broader access point and not things that just reference art history you know like I feel like it's important just to like at least for me to reference life and to reference what's going on and you know I mean that is that is that is uh, an objective that, yeah, is for sure in the artwork. And it's just like, yeah, I want my my family, I want my folks to come and see my my work and to be able to, like, have a conversation with me, you know, because, like, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more, you know, forthcoming through my artwork and not through, like, my, my verbal communication. So if I want to access, like, deeper conversations, like, I might, like, you know, just, just make, show my parents like an object and see how they react to it versus like coming outright and telling them what's going on. You know, one one of the most um, striking works for me is actually the series that you've done. Well, there's a few I've seen, which are like radiators, we call them in England. I don't know if they're a different name in America, but um, I know one of them was titled Space Heater. And um, uh, there's something so tender about those. It kind of reminded me of my grandma um, back in Wales when I was a kid, having like one of those plug-in oh, kind yeah, of heat rad type thing. Yeah, yeah kind yeah. of. But there was something so strange about seeing a radiator as an artwork. And then obviously it got me thinking slightly about Nick Deshays, one of our friends who's actually done an installation at Stuart Shave Gallery a few years ago where he actually made kind of these very strange um fully plumbed in like uh, radiators that actually had when you buy it it comes with a boiler (laughs) it's really cool and it has water running through it which I also found really tender for different reasons and I love the idea of them being alive in that sense actually having the water in them but can you speak a bit about that 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 tiny body of work just because I it really struck me as this very tender kind of thing I just loved it I don't know like there is like a tenderness uh about like being warm being protected you know I feel like I feel like those objects kind of get to that 
idea of being like sheltered and being protected in, 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 in the colder months. I feel like, you know, growing up in, in Miami, we didn't have radiators. We had like little AC units and like little box AC units that we would put in the windows and whatnot. And like during the summer, that was like such a moment of like solace just to like escape the heat and just like plop down in front of like cool air after being outside for for however amount of time. You know, I feel like, you know, it's just like almost like saying thanks to like the, the, the simple things or giving gratitude to like the simplest thing. And I think like having warmth or having like air conditioning to protect yourself from the from the outside elements, like, you know, that that kind of like a. Uh, again like goes into like what what type of like emotional space are you accessing when you feel that type of like protection and where you where you kind of like you know yeah protected from from exterior elements and you're just like just cozy and just comfortable Mm. so miami was where you were born but you now live in and work in san francisco and there's something about is that right? Oakland. 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 Sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 it's... sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> across, across the water from yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. You can get to San Francisco quite quickly. It's super close. Everything is super close. But yeah. There's this, there's this uh, history and the lineage of art history with ceramics and the Bay Area and California. And you're now part of that conversation. Why do you think that area has had such an influence on, uh, you know, American ceramicists and, and artists that work in that medium? You know, I have no clue. I, I have no clue. I definitely think like the ceramic history is what brought me out to to, to California. Just um, you know, learning about like uh, Viola Fry and like Robert Ar- Arneson and Ron Nagel and Ken Price and you know uh, all these like legendary ceramic people. And then like I, when I was like an undergrad, I was going to the ceramic conference um, called Ensika, and they they do a student juried exhibition. And um, every every year when I was like looking at the student jury exhibition, a lot of the artwork that I was like really drawn to was coming out of uh, where I eventually went to graduate school, CCA. So there's something about uh, not only the history, but like the, the CCA, the program in particular, that was kind of like pulling me towards that area. Um, and then one of my professors in undergrad was just like telling me, uh, about um, Bonnie Seaman, my, my, one of my undergraduate professors was telling about um, Arthur Gonzalez, who was teaching at CCA. And it's like, oh, you two would get along. Like, you should go totally go out to California because I feel like it would be like the perfect place for you. So I think it was like a combination of both, mm. like the that that history and like kind of like just like looking at, you know, wanting to pursue a graduate degree that, that, that brought me out to California. I didn't really think about, you know, my place and like the history of ceramics at all. Mm. I, I just knew I was just trying to do ceramics a little bit more, but. Do you feel I, like you're part of uh, a, a gang there now of, of like a Bay area artist? Cause Jessica Silverman is your, your uh, gallerist and she's embedded in San Francisco. She's like, you know, one of the most important gallerists in the area and she travels internationally with all of her artists she's very well respected through her and being in the area do you feel like you're part of a conversation or a movement of artists i mean i don't i don't know if there's i feel like there is i would say they're living there i think there's something special happening in the bay area mm. like it's 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 one it's just like one of the most beautiful places to like i feel like to to, to be just like i was never into hiking growing up but like living out there for the past couple of years and like just 
getting introduced to hiking and being outside, it does like wonders to kind of like, you know, your mental health and like, just like your personal, like, well-being. Like I, I, those like redwood trees hold some type Mm. of like mystical power to him and like some of the views and whatnot. And just like the pace of life there is kind of like perfect because you have just enough city and just enough nature. So I feel like, you know, personally just, it just suits my temperament. Um, you know, and it's like very conducive for like getting into a deep kind of like concentrated place and getting into like a, a, a very like into a very committed routine with your practice. Like I feel like, you know, if you want to be distracted in the Bay Area, you can. There are enough things going on, but like it's definitely a place where I feel like I'm able to focus and I feel like the community there is like very kind of like tight and like just like sincere and just like sweet and just like low key. Like, I feel like when I'm in the Bay, like I don't ever really dress up at all. I'm just like in studio clothes and just like. What What is your studio? What is your studio <laughs> clothes? Hey, but what is your studio practice? Because you're incredibly prolific and it feels like, you know, you, you work well under pressure and time constraints are a good thing for you. You see them as a positive spin on the work and deadlines because you're very in demand now and you and you you are making a lot of work and you're being around. What is your studio practice like? I, I don't work on weekends if I don't need to, first right. of all. I, I like to enjoy my week. I definitely have like a very balanced approach. Like I feel like I probably work 10 to 6, 10 to 10 to 5, Monday through Wow, so like Monday office job Friday. hours. Yeah, you've given yeah, yourself. you know, wow. exactly. I, I, it's just like I want to make sure I, I like to exercise before I go into the studio. I like to get like a full night's of sleep. I like to go into the studio with like my lunch packed, you know, had breakfast, had a nice little like workout and just like so I'm able to show up to the work and like be as respectful to like just the creative process as I can. Like I don't want to be like, tired or like stressed out or like just like all over the all over the place because like the work holds that energy and like working with ceramics it's just like it feels when you're stressed out it feels all of that stuff so it affects your decision making and then you see work that you've made and see the energy in the work in the world yeah yeah i can see it i can see it you know i could like kind of pick up on like where i was at there's some stuff like if i was like you know not in a good place i look at the work and i'm just like oh i I, I get a little bit yeah i get a little bit triggered but um, wow yeah you know i just i just like right now it's just like i really just want to make sure that i'm being as like respectful to the creative process as I can because it's such a blessing and it's such a privilege to live a creative life you know yeah. and just like dealing with the deadlines and can I ask though those... can I just go back on the, the, these these works that you have released into the world and they make you feel this like triggered like through whatever feeling you was having at the time when you made them is is there a, a thing now where you are trying to edit the works leaving your studio that don't feel like that or do you do you celebrate the fact that they these works have come from that as well. I celebrate it because it's a very honest and genuine place to come from, you know, and like, it's a very like genuine thing to put into the work. And like, I feel like, you know, having a, for me personally, having an emotional, emotional reaction to the work, like the work is doing something, even yeah. if it causes and stirs up, like, you know, emotions that I don't really want to access, you know, but I have been in that place, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's just like I kind of don't think about I don't I kind of don't think twice about it. It's just like I just want to get it out of my system and put it out into the world. And I feel like, you know, there is something about like working with like time constraints where it's just like for me now it's just like 
a, a practice in exercising my intuition and, and exercising like my trust, um, you know, with just with myself, because there's something when you're able to make something and you have ample amount of time and you're able to edit and edit and mm-hmm. edit and edit. And there's something else where it's just like you're on a deadline or you're on a tight time crunch where you can't even like think about like, okay, is this what I'm going to do? It's just like, I have to do this thing. Like it's, it's going to get done and whatever is happening in the moment, that is what the work is going to be about. And that's something that I have learned to uh, embrace a little bit more. Just, just, you know, honestly, just like really falling in love with like jazz music and this idea of like improvising and Mm. like how beautiful that can be where it's just like, you know, you have loose, like, loose notes and you're able to like kind of go and like work with the material in, in, in real time versus trying to force the material to do the thing that you want it to do. But you don't know what it is before you sit down and start sculpting. It just, it depends. Cause I have some stuff where I have very like distinctive ideas of what I want to do. Like a lot of the bronze objects, like I have to have a game plan as to like what's going to happen because they're, there's not flexibility in that process. And I have some ceramic sculptures where I draw the thing and then I, I I end up making it pretty much how I drew it in my sketchbook. But then there is another facet of the studio where it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to go. Or I don't know what I'm doing. And I just start <laughs> making something and something else happens. But I think like those moments of uncertainty is where the most amount of growth happens, you know, mm. and just making something where it's just like, you don't know what's going to lie at the end of the road. I think there's something that's kind of like beautiful about that process because you just open yourself up to like whatever, whatever the, the present moment is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I really wanted to talk to you about your Haitian ancestry, because I saw that when you did your show at uh, San Jose uh, Museum of Art back in 2019, I think it was called Breathing Room, you actually did a talk all about um, your kind of Haitian roots. And um, I am really good friends with Maxwell, the singer, and uh, he's also been a previous talk art guest. And he's told me so much about Haiti that it's kind of a place that's like um, in my heart. And um, I've also been at a number of fundraisers because of all the natural disasters that have happened there and the, you know, terrible times that have been happening for people who are who are living there um, at this time. But I read that you were interested in like folklore and kind of different inspirations from that kind of ancestry. Yeah, you know, I feel like both of my parents are from Haiti um, and growing up Haitian, like I feel like, you know, now living in California, I realize like how special 
you know, that just like how special it was or how special it is to be Haitian. Mm. Um, I don't, it's just a part of, it's just a part of me. It's a part of like every breath that I take, you know, I've never been to Haiti before, but it's just like, there. I, I feel like it's just so much a part of like who I am. I feel like the, the type of lessons that my, my, my parents have taught me and the, the type of like, you know, just like different, like, ways of existing in the world I feel like is very distinct to just you know my folks being from that island and you know there's still some like opacity to me and I'm like actively trying to like learn more about you know the the history and like the type of like um I'm just like trying to access that space more it's it's very kind of like different you know not being from Haiti being first generation American having like Mm -hmm. Haitian parents but then getting all this Western information about what Haiti's quote unquote is. And it's just like trying to like circumnavigate and find like what it means to me in that, you know, and it's just like simple things where it's just like, you know, I grew up super Catholic, but like, you know, I feel like there's certain things that my mom did. I'm just like, you know, this is like Catholicism, but there's something else mixed in here coming from, you know, wherever we were from before, before Haiti. I think they're, I don't know. I just think that um, I just like internalize so much and, you know, I don't really have the words to like access it, you know, but um, yeah, it's just like so much a part uh, uh, of, of who I am. And I feel like super proud to like have like Haitian blood flowing through my body. Um, mm. You know, I don't know much about like the Haitian re- revolution, but I think it's like sick that we kick Napoleon's ass. Like, I think that is like incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is something that I, I feel like is like more of like a, a life's work. And I, I'm still trying to unpack it and understand it. I'm still trying to unpack a lot of things about like, you know, the diaspora and like just learning about things, not so much from like, a Western gaze, you know, it's just like more recently, you know, I've been learning about like, you know, these like fantastic African like sculpture traditions, like wood carving and uh, like the Benin bronzes. And, you know, I've been reading a little bit more about the Yoruba religion. And I, I read this book called New Black Gods. And it's like all about these Yoruba deities. And I'm like, yo, there are these there's this whole mythology on like black gods that I'm now just learning about. Like, this is insane. Mm -hmm. Like it's fascinating to me. So it's just like, I'm trying to access that space more of like thinking about like, I don't know, just thinking about that history, not so much through like a, like a, like a fucking colonial colonialist like gaze. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, there's another way to access this history without just like, colonization you know beating the head out of it like i know that like you know i I don't want to like minimize what that is but like you know what does like blackness look like you know before colonization what do those practices look like what does that religion look like what does that history look like this is something that i damn near don't know anything about and i'm trying to like educate myself on what that looks like I think there's, there's, it makes me think of the artist Toyin Odiotola, who currently has a show up at MoMA SF. And oh, I saw that show. It's incredible. So it's the, the fucking... Yoruba, you know, yeah. teachings, history is definitely something that Toyin is really invested in and looks into and, and, and gods and everything from, you know, that it's, so I can see the, the link in the uh, uh, inspiration from them stories and from that part of the world and what, what's coming to you. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like there are a lot of artists kind of like working in this capacity now of just like, you know, really exploring like these ancestral like uh, stories and like histories, you know, just like coming from a place that's like, it feels like a little bit more, uh, it, it just feels a little bit different than what the what what the record has been more recently. I feel like yeah. there's something new that yeah. a lot of artists are trying to like tap into. And it, it, it just seems like it's an exciting time of like rediscovery and relearning. Yeah. It's not like, Eurocentric. Yeah, is yeah. It? What art history has been, you know, taught traditionally is very Eurocentric. And, and the conversation is just blown up now and it just opens up so many more ways to tell stories and so many things to draw on it's a very exciting time yeah yeah i believe so i believe so it, it just it just it just fills me with so much like like strength and like pride and just like optimism and just like you know just that the narrative is like just like shifting into a different space where there's a lot of reclamation happening and a lot of like you know revisiting these histories that were like once erased and like unknown so um it's yeah amazing. all of, yeah all of this stuff is just like it's it, it, it's it's this like feels very like new to like my kind of like journey as like a person and and like my journey you know going through just like yeah gr growing through life but like you know I'm I, I feel like I'm becoming very much committed to kind of just like learning these things that you know colonization tried to erase uh, mm -hmm. or at least I'm a, I'm attempting to do so I'm, and I hope I'm doing it with like you know some grace and just trying to be like a, as genuine and like honest as possible. Absolutely. Also, I, I discovered a, a residency through research on you, which I didn't know existed, which actually changed your career, I say, or changed the way that you approach your practice. It's it's a residency at the Cola Arts Centre. Now, Cola, people might recognise that name because they're a bathroom manufacturer. They make toilets, sinks, you know, uh, shower units and everything. And you were able to go to his residency as a ceramicist, but have access to these gigantic kilns, which was able to open up this monumental sculpture that we're now seeing you work in and these glazes and these, 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 the quality of the actual clay you have access to. That must have been incredible. And this, this is a residency that I'd never even heard of. Yeah. So that residency experience was, was, was pretty remarkable just being, um, it was super laborious. Like those, those days were like intense because the residency takes place on the factory floor. So it's just like learning how to make molds and like learning this like industrial process of, 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 of making work. You know, I feel like, I feel like more so than the actual residency was just the timing of everything that kind of like really like shifted just where I was at in terms of like in my own creative process. When I did that residency it was like, uh, it was, a. Uh, the the it was like I, I probably arrived there February of 2020, mm -hmm. so I was there for a couple of weeks before the pandemic kind of happened. So I spent quarantine. It, it was kind of like a weird time because like you know I was there for about six weeks, and then you know COVID breaks out, and then quarantine staying home uh, orders go in, and I have to like quarantine in uh, this town uh, in in Wisconsin, and I think if if anything, like just like having that time, just like by myself, do like not knowing where the world was going. Um, I don't know. It just like changed the way that 
you know, I just like thought about like my relationship with making work. You know, I feel like. But you weren't able to go into the residency. No, at that point. I, um, oh, I so you went all the way there, yeah. and then you were locked in Wisconsin. Exactly. So for how long? For like for about two months. Oh no! Wow. So yeah, what, was you able I, to work at home? Was you doing anything? I like... just made a lot of drawings. I made a lot of drawing and a lot of works on paper. But like, I feel like that early part of the pandemic was kind of like that time really shifted a, a lot of ways people thought about like how they're spending their time. I feel mm-hmm. like that wasn't something only kind of like happening to me. Of course, and I feel like the whole world was kind of like on pause, like readjusting and resituating what was going on and how they wanted to approach like living their lives. I feel like that was kind of like the, the the most meaningful thing uh, to come out of that space. You know, there are all the technical knowledge that I learned from the residency, but it's just like, yeah, doing the, the, the stay at home or shelter in place, like there was a little bit of a, like a emotional roller coaster. Yeah, of but... course. I think collectively we've all been through trauma and we're all trying to normalize yeah yeah and, yeah you know yeah. with what's going on with the vaccines everything we're all trying to normalize sickness normalize the fact that we've all been through this for the last two years and just get on with it things are back to normal they won't be and they can't be and you 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 got to expect to be kind of moved shifted somewhere emotionally because of what we've all been through collectively and i guess yeah. that will come out in the work yeah yeah you know and it's like this thing too it's just like you you never know when it when it's going to be your time to like clock out you know you never know when it's going to be you never know what's going to happen with your life and i think the pan- pandemic definitely like uh heightened that sense you know and i feel like it seems like we got a little bit more used to it now but uh, that's definitely like a lesson that uh you know i'm i'm just like taking with me it's just like okay like you know what are the things that are are the most meaningful to me? And just like, how do I live with like intention and like positivity and, you know, kind of like move from a place of of love and not fear. So what is, what is successful like to you? Uh, Because you've got a lot of attention on you. You having using the Whitney Biennial, you're now going to be in this huge survey show at a group survey show at the Hayward in London. Uh, You're represented by Jessica Silverman, Karma Gallery. You know, people are aware of you and people are collecting you and institutions are paying a lot of interest to you. What what does that feel like for you? Is that a positive thing? Is that anxiety inducing? Is it do you have to put it out of your mind and just get on with the work? You know, I feel like it's a positive thing and I feel like very flattered and privileged, you know, to, to kind of have this like level of like visibility. I think the one of the most important things to me is just like making my family proud, like making my friends proud, being respected by like other artists and like my peers. Like, you know, those are the things that kind of like, you know, I hold on to. And it's just like, yeah, like one of the biggest blessings of my life is to be able to like have the 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 ability to make art. And it's just like, I just want to continue to do that. Um, so it's just like, yeah, putting the, putting the the art first and, you know, trying to make sure that I'm just like trying to be, yeah, I'm really just trying to be as, as sincere through my artwork as I possibly can. So those are the things that I kind of like really hold on to. And it's just like, you know, I feel like some of that stuff, like I have to put on, on pause, like the the other stuff, I kind of like keep it out so I could just like focus on the things that I want to do in the studio. And I think that's like also kind of like ties into like this, this idea of like location and like, you know, really kind of like trying to situate myself in, 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 in Oakland in a way it just feels like, like more cozy, more home. It feels like I could, I could get into like an easy routine. I like having that access of nature. I like just like being able to kind of like focus on 
the day-to-day things and not like the the larger picture stuff. And it's just like, it's as simple as having a good studio day. Having a good studio day feels incredible or like, you what know, is it? What you, is a good studio day then? How does that look? You just make a little. You just make a little step like that. It's it's hard to really describe, but there's some sculptures, there's some pieces where they're a little bit problematic, and it keeps you up at night, and you're just trying to figure it out, and you start to figure it out, and like it just offers something new, and just like wow, like I really like just made that. That looks good, and like <laughs> that feels exciting. That that feels exciting. I feel like. That's probably like one of the most exciting parts. Of but isn't just that like, isn't that success? If you like your own work, isn't that kind of like success? Yeah, really? yeah, that is that is you know, and it's just like you know, those feelings don't last forever. But like, it's always like try to search for that those little moments where you have something. You're just like, oh man, that's really just doing something. I don't know what it is, but like that little bit of excitement is just like that. That is like the world right there. That <laughs> that that is like incredible. You know, we've been mentioning a lot of individual uh, works, um, you know, we quoted them throughout the episode, but there's also a big part of your work, which is the kind of installation aesthetic. And I really wanted to talk about this c- approach, because if you think about the Whitney Biennial, the, the way you presented these different objects all together, and there's also um, Jessica Silverman's gallery, I know you, you, you've you had smaller installations where there's maybe like three objects together, and they interact with each other. It got me thinking a lot about when I used to do acting in my teenage years, when we did theatre studies and we used to think a lot about mise-en-scene and kind of like sets and how how a set can kind of influence the way that the actors move through a space or how the actors are presented on stage at different points do you think about these different individual objects almost like characters because I love the interactions and the combinations of individual objects and then how it becomes something so transformative and, and very very different in the installation yeah, so I feel like the sculptures, you know, especially like getting ready for an exhibition, like they they all speak to each other. Because if I'm working on things, I'm I'm working on multiple things at the same time. And it's just like, if I'm doing something with one sculpture, then I want like the next sculpture to offer something different. So I feel like they're always kind of like in collaboration with each other in that sense, kind of like bouncing off of each other. But, you know, this idea of like, you know, place and really thinking about like, the universe and like the 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 kind of like setting that the work exists in is like like super important. Uh, just giving the work as much context and having as much agency as possible. You know, I feel like I figured out uh, a while ago that like I'm not the biggest fan of like just putting stuff on white pedestals. Like that's not for me. <laughs> but the thing um, is, you make the pedestals. <laughs> that that you you said these are a happy accident. You know, you make these pedestals. You make these basically these stools that are ceramic or they're or they're bronze. But that was that was an accident. You were tr- you yeah. I, that 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 is an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, you know, when I was in, in graduate school, some some friends were like approached me about making props for a play. They wanted me to make these ceramic chairs. I'm just like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you could use a ceramic chair as a prop. Like, it just makes more sense to use wood, you know? So I made these ceramic chairs and they came and tested it out and they were like clunky and just like heavy and like i'm like yeah i told you it wasn't gonna work but uh (laughs) there's like one one like stool that was like the same like diameter as like another sculpture that i was working on and i just like took that sculpture and put it on the stool and i was just like that is it that is the solution that is the thing you know just like working in that way is just like um you know, I feel like now, like in the studio right now, I'm trying to like expand on what that like vocabulary mm. looks like. So like, like now the, uh, they're not just like bases or things for the sculptures, but they're yeah. like, it's a part of the sculpture as yeah. well. So like the whole thing is like, 
this like unit, I feel like, you know, the, the objects that I've been making, like have like this wonky kind of like superhuman quality to it, putting it on something that is super refined, just kind of kills that like uh, communication that's happening. So you know, I'm glad that I figured out like a way to kind of like situate the two, and like yeah. now I'm at a point where it's just like expanding a bit more. Um, but that conversation you know, is what so many sculptors struggle with. They make the sculpture, and then for it to exist in the world, it has to go on to something, whether it be a tabletop, it's like a, a plinth, it's and like a curse it's like, oh. of the white plinth. So the consideration then for that <laughs> is is you know that can be a real struggle. But you've you've like switched it up, and you found an absolute like a uh, dream combination for showing your work is that the plinth isn't superfluous the plinth is part of the dialogue yeah yeah the thing that the the it, it's it's the whole thing is a sculpture in its entirety it's my entirety but um you know i feel like that comes from just like you know this 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 conversation or like this communication from making drawings and like envisioning spaces and envisioning environments through like painting like you know, things just from like having that kind of like practice, it, it just kind of became, I just kind of excavated that that communication from from the two dimensional works. Can I give you some quick fire questions? Yeah, yeah. So people looking at your work, they will see a lot of body appendages, but have ears, eyebrows, hands are a huge thing, lips, eyes. Is there a favorite body part that you kind of default go to? I love hands. I love yes, hands. Yes, yes, hands. Yeah. Why yeah. is that? Because it's the artist's hands or? It's just, it's just, there's so much emotion in the hands. There's so many things you could communicate with hands and like hand gestures. I feel like, I don't know. And they're like, for the longest, they were like the most challenging thing for me to draw and sculpt. I remember like in middle school, like trying to draw hands and there'll be like these little like mittens. <laughs> so it's just like trying to kind of like communicate that um, or like articulate that a little bit more, but um, a couple of years ago, I saw the uh, uh, the Charles White retrospective at the MoMA, and the ha- Charles White as the best hands. Like, it, there's just there's so much like soul and style and like emotion and attitude in the in those hands. I'm like, you know, I'm nowhere on that level, but I'm hoping if I if I could make more. <laughs> hands i could get, get to some of that some of that energy that 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 tap into that like energetical like field so yeah yeah all right next question what's your favorite <laughs> inanimate object in the Ooh, domestic favorite. sense probably a coffee cup or just like a mug just like a regular cup very good if you what is your default object then so now you say sometimes you sit down and you let the clay talk to you are there objects that come up more regularly than other things probably the clocks like the clock sometimes oh, really? i have to like kind of like slap myself on the on the hand and just like you could do do something else <laughs> stop the clock <laughs> yeah, stop the clock. <laughs> those things are just such like i don't know they're just like really really incredible like objects and like i don't know they're just but it's time yeah. it's it's yeah. surrealism they're just soft watches yeah. it's that thing they're kind of molding in it's the passing of time uh sand whatever you call it, sand timers and everything. It's, it plays into all of that. Who is your favorite comedian? Uh, man, you know, I'm just going to say Richard Pryor, just because I was watching him the other week and he had me, I, this is a stand-up I probably watched three or four times. And every time I watch it, it just has me on the floor dying. Amazing. What is your favorite animal? Because we've recently seen a dog appear yeah, in, in my- your work, which is really 
very a big departure from what we've normally seen where there's been hints of of the figure in there the human and now we've got a full at realized animal yes because I, I i got a dog during the pandemic and uh-huh. that dog has changed my life so <laughs> i'm gonna say my favorite animal is my dog specifically <laughs> i love that i've got three dogs rob's just got two cats we're we're all animal people yeah they're and just they, like incredible oh my god they hold everything don't they? yeah you, you just we don't deserve them they're just amazing we do not they're just so special and just so sweet and just yeah they're yeah they're just so loving like unconditional yeah, my dog has changed my life. <laughs> Do you have places where, countries where you want to show work or institutions where you are on your wish list? Because, you know, you've been at the Whitney Museum, which is like the best. And you're now going to be in the Hayward in London, which is the best. Are there places where you have, you know, boxes you want to check? I, I would really love to do a, a show in Haiti. That would oh, be wow. kind of like really incredible. Yeah, that is like the one place I would want to do a show. So what what is the art scene like there? Are there I have I have no clue because right. like I've never been to Haiti before. I, it's just like yeah, I have no clue to be honest. Well, hopefully someone from Haiti from the uh, cultural center there is listening. And also, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, this is the way you travel, so this is good. Yeah, like yeah, yeah you you'll visit you Haiti to... through art. Yeah, yeah, love this. What 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 snacks do you eat in the studio, and what um do you, do you listen to music? A combination of music and a combination of of podcasts, and I have an uh, assistant who's working for me right now, and you know they they have a pretty good taste in music, so it's like a huge range. But you know, when I'm in there by myself, I'm probably listening to jazz. What's in your lunchbox that you make for yourself? I always almost bring a salad with me to lunch every day in just different proteins like tuna, chicken, or whatever protein is left over from the night before. And I love pears. Like pears are just so delicious. It's like they're <laughs> hyd- they're hydrating too. Like it's like nice because I get the hydration and like I don't know. They're, they're also good like for um for health because I, I think they don't make your blood sugars jump as much as like something else in chinese medicine the pear is used to cool the inner heat so they they prescribe pears as something if you have a lot of like i used to have really bad skin when i was a kid and i went at acupuncture and she said to me you've got a lot of inner heat eat more pears and i was like okay i don't know if it worked i don't know if it really worked but it felt kind of exciting to know that fact like a a pear i love to eat cold pears too so i put them in the refrigerator and it's like it is such a delight it's such a treat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i want to try that do you do you drink coffee tea juice i go through waves i go through waves i feel like right it just depends um if i'm drinking coffee every day i'm, I'm on a little bit of a deadline but like i try it, i just go through waves um it just really depends are you um when you go into the haywood you're in london obviously and it opens tomorrow night do you are you involved in the curation or will you just turn up and see how they've, you know, set out your works? Well, you know, I was involved with like, you know, the the presentation of my work, but I'm I'm excited to see the show at at, at as a whole and to, just to see the different like artists interacting, like the the, the sculptures and artwork interacting with each other. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be good. It, you know, I'm, I'm like super pumped just to see like the whole what they've done with the whole space and seeing how everything just interacts with one another mm. 
What are you? I, I like the idea of the zeitgeist as well because mm-hmm. if um, one of my artists, Lindsay Mendix, got a solo room in that show, and she's also looking very much at domestic interiors mm-hmm. and the psychology of domestic spaces, and I think you'll really resonate with her work as well. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'm excited to see. What are you working towards post the Haywood? What's your next um, exhibition? I mean, I don't know. I, I do know what the next ex- exhibition is, but I'm just kind of like focused on like the studio stuff. Like I, I, I just uh, recently got like some like larger pieces of wood and a chainsaw. And I've just been like carving at, at, at wood to kind of complicate the, uh, the, 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 the bases or the substructures of, of the sculpture. So I'm just excited to kind of like, you know, have, have more of a subtractive process in, in combination with the ceramic. So, you know, I'm just like excited about, you know, carving some wood and I haven't made a painting this entire year. So I'm excited to go back and just like dedicate some, some time to making some paintings. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we're going to get to our final questions now, Woody. This has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for giving us your time when you're jet lagged uh, in London. It's been dreamy. The first question is, if you could do an art heist, you could have any work of art in the world for yourself from anywhere, what would it be and why? Um, the first person, I, I would want like, you know, like a Philip Gustin. Mm-hmm. Like those things are just like, like delicious. And they're, they're just like so good. Oh, you know what? Actually, I would want uh, one of the sinks, one of Robert Gober's sinks. Oh, yes. Oh, my yeah. God. That's so related to your work and the plug holes. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that is the celebration of the domestic and also the ceramic. Mm-hmm. I think those might be plaster. I think they're arranged. I think some of them are plaster. I think some of them are uh, like cement. I think some of them are also like uh, like cast iron. So I think they range in, in, in the, the material. But I, I would just want any one of them. <laughs> Do you like Duchamp's toilet in some ways? Is that? Yeah, you know, that's that's also like, you know, yeah, that's also something that, you know, I, I have come back to to, to 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 revisit. And, you know, obviously working with like the the fountains and whatnot, like that's always something that comes up. But um yeah, just like a, a little nod to to the little bit of uh art history that I <laughs> that I know. Yeah. Just saying about art history, you said that making is not an individual experience. There's connection and inspiration, and you know that you always think of art history when you're making your work, which is something really wonderful that you know that you're relating to the lineage of the practice you're working in. It just makes sense to be aware of the things that have come before you and like to kind of like, you know, pay homage to things, but to also offer something else, you know? So I I feel like there is something about just having some, some kind of like, you know, knowledge and, I don't know. It's just like, I'm one of those people where I could always be doing more and I could always be learning more. So, um, yeah. Same. Same. I, um, I really love your switches as well. And the, 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 uh, plugs. They're like some of my favorite things. We, we want and... light switches, Woody. Yeah. I mean, you, so I mean, the light switches are so Please don't good. do commissions, but me and Rob would love, a, we'd love me, a light switch. Reminds me also of how much I love Rachel White Reed's um, yes. 24 switches. Do you remember mm. that piece? Love her. She's so good. Yeah. Um, the other question we ask every guest, uh, Woody, is what is your favorite color? Uh, right now it's green. Oh. You know, last year it was orange, but mm. like... I've been catching myself wearing all green outfits. It's kind of insane. All, all <laughs> is there green, a type green. of green? Yeah, all oh, just like different shades of green, like 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 a mint green and a like a forest green, and like I have green shoes that I wear into the studio. I've been wearing a lot of green. 
You're eating green Camo- pears. Camouflage. Yeah. Total camouflage. <laughs> You're green on the inside. Yeah. When you go hiking, they'll lose you, won't they? <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art? Um, um, you know, there's like, there's an artist like Nicholas Lobo, who I used to work for. And he just like, he just said something like, well, don't do it for money. And like, that was just like incredible. I'm like, yeah, dude spot on um and then um i recently did a little a little residency at cal state long beach and you know i was uh, i met tony marsh for the first time and he's just like a remarkable person and he told me that you know your intuition is like any other muscle you have to like exercise it and train it and i was like that that was also like very spot on. Ooh, so those are the that, two break things. Break that down. Break that down. Your, your, into, your intuition, intuition, your instincts, a, your instincts mm-hmm. are a muscle. So how do you how do you how do you work that? By like that. listening to yourself, listening to your gut, listening to that inner voice. Like that's how I took it as. But I'm like that is like very real. Like intuition, like it, it, it's something that you can access if you're used to ac- accessing it a lot more. I love that. It makes me think of this quote that I read recently uh, that Keith Haring and his diaries wrote, and he, he was going through a phase when he got really successful doing loads and loads of interviews, and he would end up repeating himself. He says, each and every interview helps me understand more about what I think myself. And it, it was like it just affirmed in himself his own mm-hmm. intuition, his own instincts, his own thoughts and feelings, the more he was able to talk about it and articulate it. And I guess that's what, mm. you know, an art practice is, is the more that you articulate your practice, the more you are making work, the more you understand your voice, who you are. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I love that. Well, Woody, this has been incredible. We wish you all the luck for the opening. I think Ro- I'm, yeah, I'm in New the, York right now. I was meant to be there, but the film is And luckily, over. I am recovered, and I'm I'm testing negative for the last three days. Woo. So I am able to come up to London Sweet, tomorrow, awesome. and I cannot wait to meet you. So the show opens to the public on the 26th of October, which also happens to be my birthday. So oh, happy I like their birthday. choice. Of, I like their choice of dates. And um, it, <laughs> they've done it for it you. Runs, yeah. <laughs> they did it just for me, and it runs until the 8th of January 2023. And um, it's £15 to get in and free for members so it's always worth signing up to the Hayward Gallery and being a member yeah. there um, thank you so much to the South Bank Centre and the Hayward Gallery um, curatorial team for connecting us with Woody because both Russ and I came to your work separately and we love you and we do and, um, and we are yeah, serious we, we do want a light to switch reach out. <laughs> we, do want, yeah, we love, we we love do your light switches switch. I also love the plugs they're just so yeah. sad like the I don't know what you call them in America but like the the, the, the outlets yeah the, the, outlets. Yeah, the outlets. outlets yeah I love those works they're so like sad Oh. And you can follow Woody on Instagram. He's at Woody Othello. And um, you can also go to Jessica Silverman um, Gallery in San Francisco and also Karma in New York and uh, learn more at their website. And maybe someone we'll in, in London soon. We don't know. Russell, but... I actually have a show up in New York with Karma now. You should go check it out. I'm going to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. You should go tomorrow, Russ, when we're in the Hayward and you can pretend you're with us. I will. It'd be really nice. Yeah. Well, it's not open today on a Monday, <laughs> sadly, but it's open tomorrow, so I'll uh, get along. But no, it's it's congratulations. And that's where the dog is, right? Yeah, that is where yeah, the dog is. Exactly. And also, Russ, congrats on American Horror Story, which has been very well received Thanks. in the States. I've been, I looked on Twitter and there's lots of love for you and your moustache. I'm very proud of you, my love. Yeah, I'm proud of my moustache. I didn't think I could ever grow one. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's all real one. as well, isn't it? It's I know, so I thought brilliant. people would be saying like, why have they stuck a moustache on him? But, uh, I've seen the first few episodes and I absolutely love it. So congrats. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And We'll uh, be back very soon. Cheers, Woody. Thanks for listening. Bye, Bye Woody. Bye. 
You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com